You are listening to episode 65 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello and welcome back to the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Porter, and I cannot wait for this conversation today because it is someone familiar that I know you're going to enjoy listening to as well. And Beth Killo, welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. Hello. So happy to be here. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on again. And it's funny, I kind of think of our relationship has developed and changed so much since the last time that we were on the show together. So I'm interested to see this conversation and like, I'm going to listen back to our old conversation and just feel it differently. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to do that too. Cool. So for those of you who don't know why we might have a little bit of a different relationship now, since we last spoke, Beth and I actually had the privilege of teaching together. So we taught a program called the Aware Horsewoman. And when was it from? It was a six-week program. And I feel like all my months have just blended together. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to help you there. <laughs> my, <laughs> my sense of calendar has just turned into a, a big mess. So I, I, you're on your own. <laughs> I think it was February we started. I think you're, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Okay. I'm sitting here looking at my calendar and having a small moment of panic going, I really can't even like, I don't. Yeah, it was because we decided to like, wait till the first of the year till after the first of the year and give people a little bit of a chance to settle into a new year and then begin. So I think you're right. Yeah, I think that is right. So it was a privilege to teach with Beth and it was a great group of women. So to start the whole conversation off, Beth and I are just going to talk a little bit about the Aware Horsewoman, our experience teaching it together. And we were planning on, on you know, going into a, a, a session sooner than later, but I think based on both of our life schedules right now, we are going to keep you posted on a date for that because I feel like in order for us to really get another group together that's just as fantastic as the last one, we're going to um, need to just slow just a little bit and allow for, you know, the change in season to take its place and all the things. So Beth, let's just talk about the last session before we talk about the other one. And uh, why don't you tell me 
just like a Cole's note, what was your experience of teaching the Aware Horsewoman like? Well, you know, getting to know you, Nikki, and um, talking about the work that I do and the work that you do and seeing all like the light bulbs, you know, come on for both of us and realizing all of these places where our work overlaps and comes together was super exciting. And, um, and I think that bringing, you know, I, the model of natural leadership, um, which I, you know, I work on with horse people and non-horse people, mm-hmm. um, you know, really learning these elements of our, our mammal selves, our, our human animal selves, and how to um, leverage those so that we actually can take better care of ourselves and each other and our groups. Like anytime I get the opportunity to be in relationship with somebody that's like-minded and doing similar work and to see the lights come on, Mm -hmm. which I got to see in you in our first conversation. And then just the honor of bringing that work to your community and horse people and, and your listeners. And like, for me, it's, it's almost, I don't really use the word overwhelming anymore. I use the word whelming. I'm like, it's a whelming experience. It's not too much. It's just right at the brim. Like I'm just whelmed, whelmed with joy of being able to see people's um, things start to click and those insights. And, you know, the, the first module that we teach in the Aware Horsewoman is about natural leadership awareness. Mm-hmm. And, um, when people start, when people start to click into that natural leadership awareness and, and the lights all come on, that to me is like, it's like the thrill of a lifetime for me to see that. It's just an, a waking up of this part of us that's just underutilized. So that was like, that's been getting to do that and see that in you, then to see that in the students, mm-hmm. you know, in our group and in all of us, and then to see that group come to life because of it. So it goes from like, you know, just one of us to a couple of us to the whole group. And then it, it just, it starts to feel like an, an enlivened herd. And so we got to walk through that process together, which was, I just get over the moon about it. It was great. And I really do feel, feel like the nature of the work, our, the way that our dynamic together, and then the women that were involved, like it allowed for such a quick and comfortable rapport within the group that I feel like people who, even if, even if they came into it and they're like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm just here because I feel like this might help me with my horse. I feel like it really did exactly what I had hopes for in that was connecting those dots between how we are as people and how we can how we interact with the world and our relationships and how we can use our horses as feedback partners and how we can use our horses as teachers, but that it's so interconnected. We really can't separate it. Like it, yeah. there, it's, it's inseparable, which I did a whole yeah. podcast episode on like last week <laughs> about how it's inseparable. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think sometimes we want to be in a bit of denial because it sounds like a lot of work when you're like, Oh gosh, how I show up here is how I show up everywhere. And this affects like the ripple effect can be a little overwhelming, but at the same time, I feel like this group of women that came together 
they were able to just integrate this so seamlessly into their horsemanship and into their life that it was um, it was really cool to watch the whole process. Yeah, it was a quick immersion. And I mm. think that um, even, you know, there's always in every group, a couple, like the pace with which any of us come with openness, mm-hmm. you know, just like with the horses, you'll see, you know, kind of the, you know, how soft do we show up, right? How, and you know, what, what kinds of guardedness do we show up with? And it's perfectly normal and natural and acceptable and um, just part of the diversity of our experiences and our temperaments and, um, and some of our traumas, you know, which we've, we've all had most of us have had either big T or little T traumas along the way that inform how we show up mm-hmm. open. And, but what was, re- it's really cool is when, is that how quickly even, you know, those in the group that were, you know, had a slower pace to learn and open up and practice some of the exercises and the different, the different um, principles that we were working on um, everybody came together in the end. And that was really beautiful to see that everybody, you know, felt safe enough to be open. Yeah. And that's always, you know, that that's what we're looking for in any mammal group Mm -hmm. is that we are, we always need to be searching for a place where everyone can get to a place of ease. And that's, that's how we're naturally built. And so when that's not happening, it means something's off balance. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we got to teach. And, you know, that really is the basis of, of the natural leadership model is looking for how to create that in our lives or with our animals in our human herds or our horse herd. I think it's so important for us to be able to recognize that we are capable because it's instinctual. It is part of who we are of creating ease and knowing how to create ease And I feel like we search so often, we search outside of ourselves Mm -hmm. for how ease is going to be created. Yeah. Um, We're like, well, that person's going to be able to tell me. (laughs) Like they they look like they've got it together. So they should be able to tell me how to get it together. (laughs) I need a 30 day ease immersion in order to make that happen. Yeah. There's like nothing ease about it. Yeah. I've kind of wonder that if ease actually exists, and it's more about taking the layers off of ease so that it can just be. Mm-hmm. I like that. So you and I have spoken about the concept of grazing with your horses. And can you speak to that a little bit before we get any further in and just how we can connect to how can we watch our horses and use them as an example to help us navigate with ease? Mm, Great question. So I kind of came into this understanding ease with the horses a bit by accident. And it was really just from an attraction to being in the pasture with them and near them. And, um, you know, there are certain times of year here where I am in Northern California, where it's like, there's a lot of green grass and it's, you know, the temperature is really nice and you can be out in the sun and it's not too hot and not too cold. And like, it's just a really nice temperate time of year. And I just found myself just being drawn, you know, just 
just this natural attraction out there, just being with them. And I take my dogs and I am like, I called it a pasture walk. I'm just going to go for a pasture walk. It was like three times a day. I'm out there. I'm like, I'm just going to take a break from whatever I'm doing, go for another pasture walk. And, you know, I started getting curious about like, what is the draw? Like what, what's happening out there? And I'm out there, I'm like taking my shoes off. I'm in my bathrobe. I'm like, you know, laying on the ground and then they're laying down. I'm like, what is going on out here? That's like some sort of, there's a secret sauce in the pasture and, you know, and it is this, um, homeostasis of the nervous system that the horses are very efficient as prey animals of finding that as quickly as possible so as to conserve energy that they may need and as foraging animals they it you know it makes good biological sense to not overuse your resources and so they're in a state of ease much of the time and um, and I was not, <laughs> so I think that when I would leave the pasture, I would notice a shift in my internal system. Mm -hmm. And then I would feel myself want to go back there to like unplug from this busy machine that I was like, kept finding myself plugged back into. And so I started just spending time, find like syncing up with them and letting them lead and teach me how to be what it's like to be in that state. And, um, you know, there's feedback going on and, and there's relationship dynamics a little, but for the most part, you know, in a stable herd, mm -hmm. there's a lot of ease. Mm -hmm. They're just doing their day together and in proximity and they're, they're taking care of themselves. They're aware of each other. They have relational experiences between them and they're aware of their environment and I was trained to look at relationships um, from a systemic model like looking at things from an eco edit from an ecosystem point of view and so spending time in the pasture with the herd I, I realized like they very much live that way it is a system that they live in it's a relational system and it's very balanced it's got a lot of equilibrium and I just noticed the contrast in the human herd where it's so out of whack and we're really fast and then we collapse mm -hmm. you know we wildly swing in our pace and our pressure system it's like tons of pressure and then we you know then it's gone like flat lines mm -hmm. where the if you thought about what that would look like in a horse herd where you know it would be very dysfunctional Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I was just, you know, like, God, I kind of want to live out here. <laughs> How do I, I, fortunately I live with them and I got to spend a lot of time. I still do go, go out there and, and sync up with them. But that was really, you know, I, I really took that into practice when I went to go get a horse and halter. I'm like, how do I just stay in that same pace? and sync up with them first and foremost. So I am part of that homeostasis and become part of that system. So I'm not disrupting. And I think a lot of our human interactions with the horses, it's almost like watching, it's like popping a bubble. 
Mm -hmm. you know, it, there's like a really nice balance that exists. And then we come in and just splash, you know, yeah. we just kind of, we interrupt something that's actually has quite a bit of balance because of we crash through mm -hmm. that homeostasis. And so I've really tried to, sometimes I'll video something and I'll see in myself, like, well, I didn't do it there. I'm like, wow, I'm so much faster than they are, mm -hmm. you know? And um, they give us so much grace. There's so much grace area where they like, they allow for so much clunking around with our like, just clumsy, sharp edged, noisy, you know, abrupt human animal problems <laughs> and they tolerate it, yeah. but it's so much more pleasant and lovely and healthier for us to sync up with them. Mm -hmm. And then let everything that we do with them come from that place versus forcing them to come into our world. We already know that our world's full of stress problems. So why not actually mm -hmm. try to sync up with their world? You can still get the same things done, but you can do it without affecting your mental or physical health. Yeah. You're actually going to positively affect your physical right. and mental health. I yeah. love that visual because... I'm just thinking of the healthy herd dynamic mm -hmm. and thinking of, you know, the human herd dynamic and how often it is that we spend our time in conflict or judgment of others who we say that we love or we're trying to function around most often. Mm -hmm. So when you think of the people that are around you, how often can you say you're at ease within your own herd? So whether that be in your home or your friendship circle or your, or your business or whatever that might look like. But so with, I'm thinking like ease versus dis-ease. Yeah. And if horses are at ease most of the time, I would like to create a calendar for myself right now and really look and say like at how many times could I find myself at ease throughout the day and at ease within a herd dynamic within an interaction with other human beings and then like allow that to inform us we would have to interrupt and get very intentional direct and overt about our feedback with other humans, which actually I recommend. That's a lot of the work I do with human groups is, you know, if you want to have ease and you actually want to grow trust, you've got to get into very direct feedback so that you can work to create what ease is in this group. You've got to have a lot of conversation about how we're going to be at ease together. But once you have it, you always have it. Yeah. And so human groups, and it's really the only mammal group, and it's, you know, because of our brain glitch with this thinker, <laughs> um, we tolerate dis-ease mm. and inner fighting, you know, infighting and interpersonal conflict for a very long time before, with no ease happening or little ease until we, until it reaches like a tipping point and, and usually there's damage done and, you know, relational damage or, you know, health damage to, you know, 
we, or we, it reaches a crisis point. Mm -hmm. And um, so we do all, I call it relational onboarding. We do our relational onboarding out of crisis, whereas the horses do it as crisis prevention. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they're, they, they're like, we need to work together mm -hmm. and we don't think we do. So we'll just white knuckle it mm -hmm. until things collapse. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, a, a lot of times you, you know, you have broken a broken system that sometimes oftentimes is not repairable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's evidenced in all of the data around um, work life. You know, there's, a, there's plenty of data and research around turmoil in the workplace and then divorce rate, mm -hmm. like is another example of like, well, we're obviously not doing it right. Right. Okay. So let's take it one step further. So you said, within that healthy herd dynamic, uh, the herd, first things first, they're taking care of themselves. So it's not like they're sitting there and going, well, you need to make me happy and you need to make me happy and then I'll be at ease. They take care of themselves. That's their main priority. Yeah, I always think about um, like sometimes if I'm hungry or thirsty, and, or, or in a situation where I've been standing for a long time in like a social situation when we used to be in social situations <laughs> and, um, remember back then, <laughs> remember back then, but like where you're holding a need mm -hmm. and, and, or, and withholding yeah. the attendance of that need, which is a very common human thing where you're like, I'm thirsty, but I guess I'll just wait. Mm -hmm. which is like comical, yeah. like your body is literally feeling enough pressure to send you a signal that it needs something. You yeah. got the signal, your brain received it. You thought I should get some water. And then you said no. Yeah. And whereas the animals always, it, it's a radical self-care model. They don't negotiate it. Yeah. So we have like, we like bargain with our own need system. For no good reason. Yeah. So first and foremost, of my life as a teacher and how often that came into play. <laughs> right. I literally would dehydrate myself. I still do that. Like dehydrate yeah. myself in order to not have as many needs in order to get through my day. Right. And attend to the needs of others. Right. And mm -hmm. so in the herd, if all of the individuals in the herd were doing that, Mm -hmm. they're not at full capacity to be able to be of service to the herd. Right. So if you think about every herd member being necessary and being an integral part of the system, so it's a, it is a relational system. The herd is its own organism mm -hmm. as if, as in like Nikki, the teacher, mm -hmm. you were a part of that classroom system. And, and as the, you know, leader of it, an essential part, your stability and best functioning mm -hmm. is an essential part of that system running well. But somehow we've been socialized to put our own needs aside. I mean, for, for women and mothers, it's especially the, mm -hmm. the case, put your own needs aside, but it means you're not at optimal functioning. Yeah. So you're already, it's like basically saying like, we don't really need to fill that gas tank 
in my automobile, the automobile system. Like I don't really need to put oil in it. Like, yeah, you do actually. Like it won't run. You'll kill it. You will kill the engine without the oil. And so it'll seize up and stop running for forever until you rebuild it. And so if you think about like a human system in the same way and that every part plays a role. So if a part is not attended to, it affects the whole system. And so each animal has to show up at optimal functionings and in order for the whole, the greater good yeah. to function. Okay. So I'm going to take this the next step further and thinking about when we deny ourselves a, a need or we put off a need, just thinking of pressure. And I, you said something along the way over the last, however many months <laughs> we've been, we've been uh, working together or me learning from you and, and learning all the things. And one thing that stood out was that when we as people have a tendency to ignore pressure that's building until mm-hmm. we come to a boiling point. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of the different pressures that we, you know, feel, especially within relational systems, and then we add on our own, like, personal, physical pressure of, I have this need that I'm ignoring. And now I feel like you're also ignoring this need of mine. And so then it builds this pressure that we're not even attuned to, we've been trained to not tune in to this pressure. And then when things happen, and I think of this with horses, so often we say, oh, that just happened right out of the blue. Like I just had a panic attack out of the blue. No, no, there's so much that we missed along the way. Yeah, so many signs that it was headed in that direction. Yeah, I- just taken us down a rabbit hole. No, it's fine. I I love (laughs) rabbit holes like this. Not all rabbit holes, but this one's good. I think about like blowing up a balloon Mm -hmm. and like the levels of awareness are like what's going on within me, what's happening within you, what's going on between us and what's going on in our environment. Mm -hmm. So if you think you've got like a balloon with very little air in it and you start to blow up the balloon with the first one, the first couple of breaths are like my own ignored needs. Mm -hmm. And then the like, what's going on with another near you that you are either ignoring or obsessing about, but not necessarily attending to, right? Like each time we're out of our awareness, that pressure builds and builds and builds and we're not attending. It's like, I notice that you're asking me for space, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Or I'm noticing that you have a need and I'm, we're not going to, we're going to ignore it. That Mm -hmm. pressure builds some more. Now there's tension between us and I'm going to ignore that and not make any adjustments. Mm -hmm. And the pressure is going to build even more. And then something environmental happens Mm -hmm. like a branch falls. And now the balloon gets one more breath of pressure and it pops and that's your spooked horse. Right. So it's like, I came to the barn stressed out and I didn't do anything about it. Then I noticed that my horse was a little bit off and I didn't do anything about that. Then we started tacking up and brushing and things fell off between us. And I ignored that. And then I got on my horse and the branch fell and like, that's how the accident happens. So if you imagine that pressure has been building and not 
there's been no release. So we're taught about pressure with the horses only around cues, yeah, but not around this whole other element, which is that it's happening all the time in all of us. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know how much we're carrying around. And yet then we're super focused on what's going on with our horse. But a lot of it is just our own mm-hmm. projection of what my pressure is that I don't even, I'm not even aware of. Yeah. So we don't know, we don't learn about pressure until we're in the panic attack. Yeah. You're yeah. like, why do I have hives? I'm like, well, <laughs> let's back up and look and then, at where that started. And then thinking of how that actually translates to how we communicate with our horses. Yeah. So ignoring different behaviors or when we're putting pressure on them, not being able to see the changes that that pressure is creating within the relationship or just that animal on its own and then not understanding why this happened or that happened. It's so, it's so interesting. There was something else there that I wanted to bring us back to, but it left me. It's gone. We'll have to come back to it. We'll come back to it. So I have, I have an interesting little horse that I'm working with right now who she does not allow me to blow by any phases within the pressure system. That's just not an option for her. She's been, she's been through enough. She's very, very sensitive, very smart. And she's been through enough in her four short years that she has decided that humans no longer get to get away with. Good Um, for her. Yeah. So she's been very interesting to work with because the last three sessions that I've worked with her, they've been two hours long each. So each session has been two hours of me doing something with her and then stepping back when she tells me I need to, and then waiting for a release to happen and then watching the whole thing take place with her and then going one step further. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been, I'm supposed, I'm supposed to, (laughs) I would, I, based on the amount of time she's with me and the results that they are looking for, I should be on her by the end of this week. And today was the first day she let me touch my foot in her stirrup. Mm. So, but I, I, like I said to Mike, I wish I had no timeline for this Mm -hmm. because she's teaching me that pace and feel Mm -hmm. appropriate for her relationship. If I went at this pace and feel with Ford, he would be asleep and I would, he'd be like, um, I have no idea what we're doing anymore. I'll just be here when you're ready. I'll just sleep. But she needs it. And she is like perked ears, intent, alert the whole time, ready. And then like relaxes and then comes back to me. Um, so wow. it's interesting. that's an amazing, it reminds me of, of my Mustang that well, I, I thought adopted of, I thought in October. Of yeah. 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 I, what, the image that kept coming to mind with me with the Mustang who had not been touched by him while well, she'd been branded by humans from, right. you know, when the Bureau of Land Management captured her, she'd been rounded up by a helicopter and messed around with, but other than that, there'd been no, she was, she was completely un, untouched, untrained. Mm-hmm. And unhandled and the the image that kept coming to mind as I was working with her was knitting a sweater Mm. and that every every piece of feedback around pressure and pace from her about her need to slow down or have space 
was asking me to pay attention and listen and attend to her, her need to manage and cope with stress. Mm-hmm. Cause she wants ease. Like if we just go right back to ease, that's what she wants. It's what everything in nature is looking for as a homeostasis. Mm-hmm. And so every time she communicated that and I listened, we had one more, we knitted another stitch mm-hmm. and like it, every time we do it, that's what it's like to build, to build a, like a sweater of trust mm-hmm. like that. It was just one stitch at a time. And then if I went too fast or didn't notice or wasn't listening, um, it would just unravel a little, but not the whole thing. It would, you know, a couple times it was more than others where I was like, whoa, that, that was a big misstep on my part, but it was always repairable. We just went back to it. And then there was this point where it just shifted and it, it became translatable for her with other humans where like her ability to cope However, if somebody came crashing through again, I suspect, Mm -hmm. just like with this mirror that you're working Mm -hmm. with, um, it'll be a setback and she'll give the feedback. No, I don't like it like that, which you ought to. Yeah. We should be in relationship with other mammals that are listening and attending to our needs. And that's really what you're talking about is I am willing to listen and attend to your needs and I want you to attend to mine. And that's going to be a relationship of ease. Mm Mm-hmm. And let's get that going first and foremost, then we can go do things together. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Okay. I do remember what I was going to say and it relates to this. It was that the question of what is happening right now Mm -hmm. is a starting point for every, everything. (laughs) (laughs) So my, I have to give credit to that question because it was my life changing question that was get the gift of that question was given to me by my, one of my mentors, um, Dr. Jim Maddock, who was, I I consulted with when I was in training, becoming a therapist. And he taught that question to me as, you know, it's a meta cognition question there where you're, and what you're accessing in the human brain is the part of your brain that's able to make sense of your world. It's your neocortex. And it's actually the part of your brain that allows you to cope. And so, um, and to get out of that mammal reactivity. And when I discovered that all animals could, could learn that, it really upped the ante for me around my own emotional reactivity. Like, okay, if other, if other mammals can get curious, so can I. And that's really all that question is. It's a get, let's get curious question. And it allows us to, I broke that question into four parts, which are those natural leadership awareness channels, like what's happening inside of me, Mm -hmm. what's going on in in my system, what's going on, what am I noticing in yours? That's that empathy channel. The third one is what's happening between us. And it's really important that we try to delineate those. And then the fourth is what's going on in our environment that's affecting this moment. Which sounds like a lot of questions. So that first question is like the shortcut that you can get to after some practice. What's happening right now? But that's what our animals want us to be asking. Yeah, yeah. They want us be. They want us holding that awareness 
with them as partners so that they're not worrying about all of that on their own. And we are very stuck usually in one channel, whereas they are taking in all four. And so they want us, you know, when they, when they tell us something's happening, they want us to listen and ask, well, what is it? What's bothering you? What's troubling you? What's throwing things off balance? Mm -hmm. And that's the relationship. That is the, that is the definition of a relationship is that we are asking and listening and attending to what's going on so that we can make adjustments and get back to a balanced state. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what it helps us to do is I I think about it a little bit like pumping the brakes. Mm -hmm. And so we notice there's like pressures increased or there's, there's stress or there's a sign or a symptom that something feels off. When we ask the question, we get a little bit of space from that sign or symptom Mm -hmm. and we start to see the whole picture. And so when we ask that question, we can start to see like, what are all of the, it's the context. Mm -hmm. And it's a really important perspective to have if you're in a role of, of, of leading, teaching, facilitating, um, anything. I I mean, if you're partnering with your horse, it's a really important perspective to have because Mm -hmm. you can start to make choices versus just reacting to a sign or symptom. And so, you know, we call it just the big picture. So with those four questions, you get the big picture and the big picture allows you to understand like what's needed right now. That's really all we're talking about. It's always needs-based what's needed in order for us to resume balance. But oftentimes if all we do is jump into reaction around a sign or a symptom, we actually just make the situation worse Mm -hmm. because we're just throwing more pressure into a system that's already off balance. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, I, you know, I fall into that regularly. It's not like we ever perfect that, but the more you practice that question and practice pumping the brakes, the better you can get at responding versus reacting and really like, okay, there's a need right now. What's the big picture of what that need is versus, um, you otherwise it's like a whack-a-mole game like things just signs and symptoms keep popping up but you never really understand where it's coming from yeah yeah and you you see that so often with horses where yeah. you're like got it and then you're like wait a second no it's over here now no that's yeah. not you oh yeah. no um so no it is it's fantastic i love the visual of pumping the brakes i'm gonna change it a little for myself and just be like half halt. We're just half halting right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a half halt or it's, it's a, a breath. Yeah. It's just slowing your own body down. You don't even have to like pump the brakes on your own body first yeah. before you even yeah. ask, give the horse a cue and notice if you just bring yourself down mm-hmm. your posture, your breath, your movement and slow everything down and pump the brakes on your own organism. You don't even have to have halt. When we, when we were teaching in the aware horse one, one of the modules that we were teaching was pace and feel. And, uh, we won't talk for too long on this. We'll just like skim it really quickly. Cause we'll come back to this. This is not yeah. our last conversation, but that when I was a kind of looking for pace and feel this past weekend, what I noticed was that majority, probably 90% of people need to slow 
and that we get so caught up in being fast and doing yeah. things fast. And then you think of like fast is slow <laughs> or sorry, yeah. slow is fast. <laughs> yeah. um, it's very, it's very interesting to watch that with that idea in the back of your head and saying like, how can I slow down and how will that improve the communication here? How will it improve the, the relationship uh, and then feel is found through that process. Yeah. It's a beautiful, you just summed it up beautifully. I'm always trying to figure out where the human animal, like where, at what point in history or did we speed up to this point? You know, I just, I think it's gotta be industrial revolution. It's like the factory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Must get stuff. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, it's, we're, and we can do incredible things at that pace, but we certainly can't sustain it. No. No, and can't sustain healthy relationships with ourselves and others. And yeah, no, I completely agree. Okay, I'm going to cut us short because I know that what will happen is we'll get on another topic and we'll want to riff on that for a while. And I want, um, I want- We're going to half halt. You're going to like half halt. Whoa, Nikki. Yeah. I feel like- <laughs> I feel like this is a great opportunity for my listeners to really just be able to hear us using the language that we're using and to get comfortable with it and to understand that this is none of this natural leadership stuff is new to any of us. And that's why it feels so good when we speak about it. And that's why it feels so good when we start to apply it to our horses. So it's yeah, nice. It gives us a framework um, and some language that the reason it's not new is because it's based on our instincts. Mm-hmm. It just gives us some common language and a framework so, and makes it more uh, practically usable. So we know it gives us some tools to understand what's happening. Then we get to put our horsemanship on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Okay. So to finish this off, why don't you just tell us what is it that you've been working on for so long that's probably going to be available and when it's going to be available? <laughs> My <What> book, is- <laughs> yes, it's called The Human Herd and um, Awakening Our Natural Leadership. And it um, is an intro to this model of human animal um, instincts and um, lessons from the animals in uh, these elements of our, of our mammal selves that are, that have been a bit dormant for, for humans and, um, and how it can really revolutionize how we live and relate and take care of ourselves and each other. So it's the human herd and I think it will be available in mid to late fall. It looks like that's the, yeah. Yeah. You, and just stay tuned if you want to get on the mailing list at the circle up experience.com. That's, um, and we'll have lots of announcements. Um, leading so, up to the book launch. so with that being said, there's a lot on your plate leading into the fall. And I, uh, we, thoroughly enjoyed the aware horsewoman teaching the aware horsewoman, but I think we need to half halt too. So we're going to half halt until probably the fall. Yeah. And, and we'll come back together and co-teach again. And so if you, if any of you are listening and you're, you were thinking that 
you'd really like to get in on the aware horsewoman. I've even had see people contact me and be like, oh, I really wish I could afford it right now. And we have it as at a pretty good uh, yeah. price point for a six week program. So if that is you, if you're sitting there and saying, I'd really like to, this is a little bit of an opportunity for everyone to say, oh, perfect. We can plan. Yeah, time to exactly. plan. And I do feel like this summer with COVID, it's a great opportunity for us to just all take a breath and, uh, and then, you know, come back together again. I'm so excited. I can't wait to teach it again with you. Me too. I'm pumped. Okay. Well, all right. Fantastic. Thank you for having me here. Thanks, Beth. Bye now. that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening and we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.